0: This episode of the Golf Unfiltered podcast is brought to you by WorldwideGolfShops.com. Be sure to go out to WorldwideGolfShops.com for all of your equipment, apparel, and accessory needs. They've even got training aids. They've got all the great stuff from all the brands that you hear on our podcast every week. So once again, that is WorldwideGolfShops.com. You're listening to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, your source for in-depth interviews with the biggest names, brands, and personalities in golf. Our mission, to keep you informed and help you enjoy the game even more. And now, the owner and host of the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, Adam Fonseca. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, and I am your host, Adam, from GolfUnfiltered.com. Follow us all over social media at Golf Unfiltered. Send us an email, GolfUnfiltered at gmail.com. Hello to our usual friends over at the Hackers Paradise, as well as those of you listening to this episode on their mobile app or the website. And of course, hello to our friends over at Cleveland, Srixan, and Zexio. I will be playing their equipment throughout 2020. You guys know I'm a big fan of theirs. The PGA Merchandise Show is right around the corner and to help us preview at least what we're looking for at the PGA Merchandise Show is a friend of the podcast Mr. John Sherman of practicalgolf.com. John is a uh he has a fantastic website where he covers a lot of different things including product reviews. He covers uh training aids, he covers Um, the mental side of the game. He's written two books and he is working on a third, which you will hear more about towards the end of today's show. And John and I talk about a lot of things. He is going down to Orlando as well. And we talk about what we're looking for in terms of not only the new product releases, of course, but also what consumers think about when they hear about all the new stuff that comes out every January, which is, of course, the timing of the PGA Merchandise show. John and I go deep into our thoughts on whether or not, you know, there's too much information going out for consumers, if people are getting confused, if there's just the right amount of information, if that differs depending on your skill set, you know, better player, higher handicap player, and a lot of other things as well. And so we go into a few different areas. Um, It's always great to speak with someone like John who is able to do that, to really just say, you know what, we're we're starting on this path. This was the intent, but then we go down another road and we just continue to kind of build on the conversation. And I think that you'll find that this conversation is exactly that. So uh, once again, his website is actually practical-golf.com. Be sure to go out and check them out. Uh, We will be right back with John after a quick word from our friends over at the Four Golfers Network. Sit back, relax. Let's go.
1: I know you love the game, even though it drives every single one of us crazy. Hi, this is Bill Hobson, and I host the 4Golfers Network podcast, where we celebrate golf in every way
0: imaginable. You'll hear interviews with the biggest names in the sport, travel features, special contests, and we even take your calls. So after you listen to Adam and Golf Unfiltered, give us a try. Subscribe to the 4Golfers Network podcast. That's
1: F-O-R-E on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and everywhere else podcasts are found.
0: Welcome back, folks. As I mentioned at the top of the show, we are excited to welcome back Mr. John Sherman from practicalgolf.com. John, I apologize it's taken us three or four years to bring you back on, but how are you, sir?
1: I'm good. I'm good. It's it's uh, good to be talking with you again, and uh, appreciate you having me on the show.
0: Absolutely, and you know, it's great to to uh, collaborate like this, and folks, I mean, John, as I mentioned, was on the show uh, in the past. We were talking about uh, one of his, his books that he's written about 101 uh, mistakes that amateur golfers make, and you should go out and check that out, practicalgolf.com, and John, I know that on your site, You know, you've got a lot of great information, not only from just, you know, from a club fitting perspective, but also from how to play the game a little bit smarter to eliminate those mistakes. Uh, How has your website grown a little bit since we last spoke? Because I know it has. Um, Yeah, I think it's, you know, the the core message I
1: started with was that, you know, I, I come at what I do on my website from a player's perspective. You know, I'm not a swing coach. Um, I guess I've evolved into what you would call just a coach, someone who communicates with golfers on everything outside of instruction, which I believe is the technical elements of the swing. Mm -hmm. Um, So I focus on topics like managing expectations, practice, strategy, the mental game, Um, all the things I believe are very important outside of your swing that I know can help golfers first and foremost enjoy the game more, but also improve their scores. Um, so I guess over the last few years, I've just refined a lot of my ideas and research on those uh, four main topics. And like any coach, I just find different ways to almost say the same thing, and <laughs> it resonates with people differently. Um, and and luckily, you know, I, I have connected with a lot of golfers who enjoy the perspective of a player. Um and it, and it's been helping some people out there so yeah it's been it's been a lot of fun.
0: It's definitely a great website, and you know, folks go out and, and check it out. And you've got a lot of great, um, you got a lot, of, like, a lot of great merchandise up there now, too. Thank you, by the way, for sending over that that t-shirt. It's really great. You got, you have a fantastic logo. I'll just have to tell you. Thank you. Um
1: I badgered my <laughs> my. Web developer slash designer for months over it, so we finally agreed on something for the look I wanted. But thanks
0: for saying that; it took a lot of effort to get it that way. I know it's it's always a tough thing. We had the same thing. Luckily, I, my my wife is a graphic designer and was able oh, to there you go. to kind of go through the logo building process with me. But believe me, there were many a night where we had an argument over what the the logo should look like. But, <laughs> um, and listeners, just to clarify too, it's practical-golf uh, to go out and. And see all of John's work. And, you know, John, it's, it's great to talk to you again. It, I wanted to get you on. Uh, we are, at the time of when this episode will release, we are uh, the eve of the PGA Merchandise Show, which is in Orlando. And I know that you're going to be heading down there, uh, as well as I, uh, to take a look at all the new gear, run into a few friends, you know, put faces to names, that type of thing. Uh, but it's also kind of a, at least in my viewpoint, and I'd like to get your opinion on it, a, a confusing time for the golf equipment consumer, because in my mind, it seems like every company is kind of saying the same thing, more speed, more distance, more forgiveness. It's, it's the same song and dance every year, at least from my perspective, do you have a similar uh, opinion of what you see in advertising so far or, or what's your take on the whole thing?
1: Uh, Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I've been fortunate enough to learn a lot about club fitting over the last few years. Um, I work with a guy named Woody Lashin, who is the co-owner of one of the best club fitting companies in the country called Pete's Golf. And he's kind of taken me under his wing and shown me behind the scenes on how golf clubs work. And we've done a ton of testing together. So um, I see the claims from the manufacturers and, you know, that's what they have to do. It's a really competitive market. They invest a lot of money in R&D and marketing and that they're trying to fight for uh, consumer dollars. And I think the thing that, bothers most people is the release cycles you know every year it's (laughs) a new technology a new name for it and you know people are saying like oh is what i have now not good enough um and the answer is it depends it always is it depends in golf Um, so to anyone who's you know thinking about product release cycles i've learned that you know if you get properly fit for a club it should last you for a while Um, you know just randomly purchasing a new driver every year based on marketing claims is is likely not going to produce that many tangible gains in your game. So I see both sides of it. It is a little tiring listening to the marketing jargon. Um, But at the same time, there's some really talented engineers at all of those companies, you know, working their butts off to try and come up with something new. Um, So the answer is somewhere in between. And, uh, I, I would never tell anyone to just go out and randomly spend money based on their claims. I'm, I'm not in that camp. So, <laughs> right. um, so, you know, it, it's, it's always interesting because I've seen behind the scenes what it really means. And then I've been on the other side of it for a long time listening to these companies. So, um, it's
0: tough, you know, uh. yeah. it definitely is. It definitely is, and you know, and I think it's 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 tough because as consumers, um, it's tough to kind of identify or to place into buckets what is really going to help me versus something that might not be as important for me, but to your point, I won't know where to place that quality or that club tech unless I go and get fit.
1: Yeah, you're you're never going to know until you test with someone who knows what they're doing. You know, that club fitting has become a very common thing. But at the same time, just like golf instructors are not created equal, club fitters are not created equal. Um, you can work with someone who's really honest and brand agnostic. And they're going to either tell you, hey, what you got now is fine. Um, from what I'm seeing, you, you're not getting any gains. So stick with what you've got. Or you could be going to another place where they're trying to push you towards a club where they know they're going to get their highest margins. So, um, you know, I always say get fit, but also you want to make sure you get fit with someone who's responsible and knows what they're doing, which sometimes can be hard
0: to find. Right, It definitely can be, and it's and it's an, an added expense too. I mean, you're yes. you're going yep. in. You're, you want. We've talked about this at length on the podcast. I mean, you go in, you get fit the driver, for example, is going to be rough at least $400 in most instances. And that's not even counting the cost of the fitting itself. And so it can be a pretty big, big ticket item.
1: Yeah. And, and my, my view is, is if if you are looking to invest in your game for the long term, I would get it right first that the first time rather than keep buying and buying and buying and hope you find the right thing. You know, the last two sets of irons I've had, um, I had a set of pings that I was fit for that lasted me 10 years and they were perfectly fine. And then Mm. the irons I have now have been with me for five years. So other than maybe adjusting the lie angle here and there, if your swing changes, you know, if you get fit, um, properly the the first time for iron, something like that, they they should last you for a long time. The technology is not going to change that much. Um, which is interesting five, because five years is always like yeah. a number that comes up. Where like you might be in a three to five year product cycle where you might be missing out on something, but it it, it depends.
0: Yeah, it, it absolutely depends, and and it's it's funny because it's almost contrary to what what brands will say. You know, <laughs> like what you I I, I wonder because there's a lot of brands that listen to this, and I wonder how many would hear something like that, which I agree with by the way, and cringe a little bit. You know, someone who keeps the same set of irons for a decade versus you know what they are saying hey this is going to better your game this is going to do this that the other thing um i'd imagine that that you and higher probably because i would fit in the same category as you i there's no problem in my mind whatsoever of playing a set of any club for uh, an extended period of time i'm not thinking they're the type we're the type of consumers they want to sell to <laughs> no
1: i mean you know uh... I don't I don't blame people for trying to make a living and keeping a company afloat like that's you know That's their jobs to sell as many as possible like my job is to try and you know, I try and Get myself in between and give people a more reasonable viewpoint um, Because I don't really have any skin in that game how many golf clubs they sell Mm -hmm. Um, so Yeah, it depends on the club in your bag like for me. I play competitively quite often so I'm looking for any gains I could get you know I just switched out my three wood that I bought three years ago because it really wasn't appropriate for my swing anymore um and got a new you know we actually switched to a Titleist four wood and um I, I think the one thing point I would make about the technology is that it's getting better and better and not just like gains for everyone but it's it's getting better at customizing and locking in for a particular player um, like m- me for example i need a very flat club um, so there there was really only two metal woods out there that were appropriate for me based on my swing profile i was a ping and a titleist and we were able to get it super flat move the center of gravity to the toe um, because i have a very in to out swing path and it was helping me not flip the club over as much and hook it Mm -hmm. um so based on that profile my fitter i work with knew that like hey it's between the titleist and the ping it's getting you more height and a little more spin versus my old three wood that was going too low with too little spin Um, and that solved a major problem for me like now i can attack par fives again on the approach shot rather than not feeling confident with the three wood i had um so there's very tangible gains to be made from new technology it's just is it better than what you've gotten does it suit
0: your swing properly i think those are two questions Um, that have to be answered and they have to be answered honestly i mean and golfers have to really take that that hard look at their game and not necessarily just go and buy what is brand new as you pointed out earlier sure um You know, one of the articles I really... So, listeners, John does a lot of great work on his site. Um, Once again, it's practical-golf.com. And, John, on your site, you talk a lot about the mental side of the game, too. Mm -hmm. And one of the articles I really like uh, that you've done recently is about tinkering with your equipment. Yeah. (laughs) You know, to tinker or not to tinker, that's the question, is the headline. And, you know, this this hit home for me because I've always kind of struggled, you know, at least in the past about adjustability in golf clubs and it seems like it I mean we have adjustable irons now for crying out loud and you know your opinion overall on whether or not golfers should experiment with the adjustability in their golf clubs and if you believe they that's okay to what degree should they do that
1: um the the correct answer is for most golfers no i don't think you should tinker um okay. I did another article where I did kind of a test on my launch monitor playing around with my driver settings. I was changing the loft and I was moving the center of gravity around from, you know, fade to draw mm-hmm. and measuring the results of what was happening. And I have a Callaway driver that's actually set at 12 and degrees. You know, we figured out that 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 higher loft was better for my swing. I, I put very little spin on the ball. Um, so I need to get it up quickly. I've, I've a decent amount of ball speed so I can keep it up there. But, um, for example, when I tinkered and put it down to nine and a half degrees, I was losing almost 30 yards of distance. Wow. Um, yeah. And then that could go for, I would say that's probably one of the most important things to get right for a driver head is make sure you get the right head profile and loft because I've done so many experiments where, you know, I've switched from one manufacturer to the other and, one was like ten and a half degrees was best, other was twelve degrees. So there's no standard. Um so the, the correct answer to the question from a fitter's perspective would be get it dialed in properly for your swing the first time. Let the fitter do that for you if you can work with one, or if you're working on a launch monitor and you can understand the numbers. Um and then resist the urge to change that based on the information you see in one round. Because how many (laughs) times, my my whole point of like an article like that or the tinkering article, whether it's equipment or your swing or anything is, you know, golfers have very short term memories and they'll make decisions based on the last round or two. Um, Mm -hmm. So if I went out and I hit my driver like junk the last round and I was, you know, my miss is more of a hook. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna start messing around with uh, the center of gravity and move it to the fade setting. Well, you remember that opening scene in Office Space where he kept like changing (laughs) lanes? Yeah, I do. I often refer to that on the site because it's almost like you're changing lanes in a traffic jam. Like you keep thinking like, oh, if I move here, it's going to be faster. And then you get stuck and then you move back to where you initially were. And then like all of a sudden you've created this mental thing where you're just constantly changing and you're not giving anything a chance to work out.
0: Um, so, it's such a great analogy because it's so true. It's definitely true. I'm guilty of it. I mean, I, yeah.
1: Oh, we all are. Like, I've, I I I try not to do it myself, um, but that's one of the challenges of this game: is the randomness of your performance on a daily basis. It happens to the pros as well. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I would really urge people not to play around with the settings too much. If if they can resist the urge, you know, get it right the first time. And then maybe you could, you know, every year to check in with a fitter or go with an instructor on a launch monitor and see if something changed in your technique that would warrant an adjustment in the driver. Mm -hmm. You know, I used to play a lower loft. Now I need a higher loft. Um, Things can change on that. Like or the example of my three wood, It, it went from a club that I was worked well for me to one that I really was not being able to use on approach shots anymore. So hmm. things can change. Um, but it takes time for that to occur. And I wouldn't, you know, do that week to week or day to day tinkering. It, it just, I, I don't see the, the, the profit from it, so to speak.
0: Right. And and that goes beyond that too. I'd imagine. Um, with not only the adjustability of the club, but also just all the options and shaft types. And, yeah. You know, I mean, you, you, you can go
1: crazy. I mean, there's, I mean, there's probably, I mean, I know for a fact there's tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of permutations at this point between iron heads, shafts, uh, all those things. I mean, you can go crazy. And a lot of people do. You see a lot of these, you know, I guess we can call them gearheads where they've got mm-hmm. A garage full of irons and you know i i played with guys like this where like one day they're playing one set of irons and then they're playing another iron the next week or a different putter with a different shaft on the driver and it's like what are you <laughs> <laughs> right i just like what are you doing here
0: <laughs> yeah yeah well it's even funnier too because um to your point earlier about not reacting too much to how you play in one round it it's challenging though as i'm sure you'd agree because most of us at least I'll speak for myself. I know I am lucky to get out once a week, whether it yeah. be on the course yep. or at, at, at the you know the driving range. And so, Absolutely. it's almost like, well, I need things to go well in that one time that I get out there. And if things aren't, you know, it's a matter of, and maybe this speaks more to the mental side again. It's a matter of, all right, well, for that day, figure out what will work for you, as opposed to messing with your equipment.
1: Yeah, I mean everything to me, whether it's products you're purchasing the way you practice or you know the way you're acting on the course like I just believe managing expectations is like the core of satisfaction happiness performance and everything and not just golf so Mm -hmm. that's what I focus on so much on the site is like I understand what it's like to be someone who only plays once a week or a couple times a month and my message to golfers like that is is that if you don't have the time to be you know, practicing a lot and playing a lot. Um, it's difficult to expect any type of real consistency and consistency is a really misused term when it comes to golf, because even if you are playing and practicing every day, like the pros do, I mean, look at any run of the mill tour player and you can see how their scoring changes from one day to the next. Um, you know, even they can shoot a 65 one day and a 78 the, the next day. Um, so that's that's the main challenge this game throws at us. And, you know, it's it's kind of maddening and, and really difficult to deal with. So, you know, my message to the weekend warriors are always like, first and foremost, try and enjoy yourself no matter what. Because if you've carved out that four, five, six hours of your weekend to do that, and if it's away from your family, um, you're taking some valuable time, you know, use it wisely and try and have fun. Um, there's no sense in ruining the day if you don't play well, because mm-hmm. quite honestly your version of not playing well is a probably a very realistic outcome for the amount of time and effort you've put into the game, which is really not that much. Like if you're only practice 30 minutes a week and playing once a week, like that's not that much. Like I hit, like I, I hit balls every day and I, you know, I, I'm playing a decent amount and that's what I am willing to put in to play at the level I want to be at and compete at. Um, mm-hmm. But there was a time when I couldn't do that and it drove me crazy. And that's kind of the moment where I decided I wanted to do the site because I wanted to share that experience with other people because mm-hmm. uh, I know what it feels like. It's it's horrible to go out there and not play the way you want to. Um, it's just it's coming to terms with what is that version of the golfer you should be versus what you are.
0: That's a very good point. And, you know, as you mentioned, too, on your website, you also do product reviews and, I'm wondering, John, and I've, I've thought this for a while now. I'm wondering because of the one to two time a week golfer, which would probably account for a majority of players. Sure. Um, do you feel that companies are appealing or appeasing those golfers more with the designs that are coming out? I mean, not, for example, at the time of this recording, uh, what just popped in mind is, for example, TaylorMade. They just came out with, they just announced their new SIM driver and SIM mm-hmm. irons and everything. And I have to admit, I mean, those things look extreme, the irons especially, look very forgiving. And they're a little bit chunkier, but I'm sure that there's a... a uh, a cadre or a demographic of golfers that that would appeal to but they're and these golfers may shoot better scores but is that actually helping the golfer's skill set does that make sense uh yeah yeah it makes sense and the to answer
1: your question i would say like absolutely technology like whether it's TaylorMade or any other companies like the level of clubs being released now is like absolutely fantastic like it's mm-hmm. helping golfers add a little ball speed, get the ball up into the air more, you know, hit a few more greens and regulations with the irons. And I know there's a criticism of the game, like do you want technology to help too much or not? And like my point of view is if you're only playing a few times a month, like you want all the help you can get. And There's nothing wrong with that in my opinion. And these manufacturers are doing a good job at – helping that golfer out it's just you need the new irons every year the answer is no of course not but mm-hmm. um the technology is very good and it's getting better um so that's a complicated topic but yeah i think um i want all the help i can get yeah, right <laughs> and i'm not and i'm not against you know if i test something and i see a measurable gain i say okay that could give me a half a stroke on the course perhaps and that's a cut made in a in a in an event I'm playing in like yeah I'll do that because I know my competition's doing that. I mean, I'm in a little bit different sector, but like I know people want to lower their handicaps and win, you know, their Nassau match on Sundays. So Right. Um I'm not against getting the help and I think the technology can help if you're matched up properly with the right equipment. Um there's a lot of options out there. I mean, on the whole, they're all starting to accomplish the same thing. Yeah,
0: uh, ultimately, I mean, I we even talked about this a couple episodes ago. Um where not only are they all trying to accomplish the same thing, but they're also beginning to look a lot alike.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, everyone's doing like, you know, you got the players uh, category with the hollowed-out irons now. Like, you could argue whether or not PXG debuted it here, but, you know, right. hollowing out the iron, putting in some type of plastic polymer inside of it, so you're, you know, I uh, it helps add ball speed, get the ball up in the air more, gives you plenty of forgiveness, but the feel of a blade... Um, now every manufacturer is starting to do that. Um, mm-hmm. and, and they're taking that technology and using it in the game improvement category too. I mean, golfers need help. I mean, the average golfer drives the ball between 200 to 220 yards on average. Like there's, there's certainly not a, uh, a power problem in the amateur game, in my opinion, because, Again, most people are sitting in desks all week, they lack mobility, they lack the strength and flexibility and technique to, to swing over 100 miles an hour with a driver, let alone strike it well. So yeah, the, the the regular consumer does need help in my opinion and mm-hmm. if they want to seek it in a responsible way, like I, I think it can lead to some gains in their game. How much, I, you know, I always, I think equipment's 10 to 15% of your game in my opinion. I always thought that was the number in my head. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, I can never prove it but like based on everything I know about golf like I think you know your equipment can influence the game that much um but that would probably create a huge debate with a lot of people so I'll leave it there well, think,
0: <laughs> maybe we'll talk more about it in Orlando I mean that no that's a that's a great point actually and well and that raises another question in my mind then I mean you're you're a strong player obviously you play competitively and you know, a lot of times the, the advertising and everything kind of goes towards the 80-20, you know, the the majority of players who are going to be, you know, around 100 for, you know, a score on 18 holes, but for the better players, and even, you know, let's even extrapolate it out to the PGA Tour players who obviously are getting sponsorship money to play the new products. Mm-hmm. Um, how often do you feel the better players, you know, the, the single-digit handicaps and better, uh, should they tinker? With their equipment or do the same rules apply for them um
1: it, it it depends on the player like i like for example i have a launch monitor at home i've learned a lot about club fitting so like i'm would say i'm fairly qualified enough to hit my driver and see the spin rate and the launch angle and all that stuff and make an educated decision on maybe a change I should make. But again, I don't tinker that much myself. Like I've had that driver setting, like I mentioned, my 12 and a half degrees of loft. I figured out that was an optimal setting for me over a year ago and I have not touched it since because I've been driving the ball well. You know, if I had a few months where like I felt like something was off, then I'd be like, all right, I'm going to really think hard about here about maybe a change and then Mm -hmm. consult with someone who might know more than me as well. So I guess it depends on your knowledge level, your access to technology that can diagnose the issue. Like just watching the ball fly through the air is good, but you want to have a little more information than that for a decision like Mm -hmm. that, in my opinion. So, um in in general with club fitting, I think one of the misconceptions is that it's more it's for the better player and I've found it's it's quite contrary. Like it's actually I think higher handicappers and less skilled ball strikers have more to gain from going from the wrong equipment to the right equipment versus a more skilled ball striker mm. because not to toot my own horn, but like you can put me out on the course with like 10 different types of clubs, I'll figure out a way to score. Right. It might not be the optimal way for me to hit the ball, but like I'll do something in my swing or whatever, you know, I'll figure out a way to score just because I've put my thousands of hours in and practice and I've figured some stuff out skill wise, whereas someone who hasn't done that as much like they need more help. And I think mm. that's one of the big, biggest misconceptions about club fitting in general is that it's not for the higher handicap player. Like I completely disagree with that based on everything I've seen
0: yeah no that, that makes sense. And, and I've always thought too it it there's value in remaining comfortable with something, a piece of equipment, for example, and and adjusting to that equipment and learning how to use it, going back to the skill set comment I mentioned earlier. And and really fine-tuning your skills to score as good as you can with that piece of equipment and then gaining a better understanding of where that gap is between where you want to go and where you currently are. And if you, quite frankly, can't get anything else out of that piece of equipment, that is perhaps when you look at new tech and say, hey, this might be the answer. At least that's always been kind of my mindset.
1: Yeah, and also like but the the flip side of it is like I mentioned that 10 or 15% number, like most of the game is going to be determined by you know the quality of your technique and your skill and all the other things I talk about on the course. Like that is the 85-90% of the game that mostly determines your scoring in my sure. opinion. So that's the challenge of golf is that you have all of these different things Um, influencing how you play. I mean, it could be your mental state for the day. It could be the way you're choosing targets and club selection. Um, it could be, yes, it could be your equipment. I I see plenty of players now. Like I'll play with just random players in a tournament. I'm like, Oh, that guy spins it too much with his driver. I can just see it. The ball's ballooning (laughs) on him and he needs, he needs a different driver. Um, and he probably would gain 20, 30 yards if he got the right driver in his hand that, that could lead to a couple of strokes in his score. Mm -hmm. um, not going to change everything overnight. You know, you don't want to put too much faith in the equipment because again, it's, I, I view it as a refinement, not a breakthrough. Right. Like you're never going to get a new set of clubs and all of a sudden turn into a different golfer. It, it's right. refining what you've got and matching up your current technique with, you know, a technology that makes sense for that.
0: That's a good way to put it. The refinement uh, versus breakthrough element. I mean, cause ultimately we all want to go out whether it be one day a week or multiple times a week, have a good time score better than we did the last time, or at least consistently. And, you know, I wonder, and this might be a bigger conversation, but I wonder how much of that contributes to other things like the tee boxes you play from. And, you know, uh, I would still venture, I, I still hold the opinion, John, that, you know, most golfers should move up a tee box and when they get tired of making too many birdies from that tee box, then they can move back. And yeah. that doesn't. make <laughs> well, no <laughs> I right. can
1: tell you. I can tell you this. No one. No one at any level is getting tired of making birdies because <laughs> that. That's like you know I, the the stats are unbelievable when you look at birdies made at, even at the scratch level. It's like sure. an average of like one point five birdies around.
0: Um, I know it's it's insane, and that I think that's just maybe a. I guess my bigger point is that's that's the expectation setting that you sure. have to really be honest with yourself.
1: Yeah, I mean, take my father for my father is always a good example. He took up the game later in life, um, and you know he at the course he plays in Florida, they've got like five different sets of tees, and he was playing from tees that were too long for him, and he couldn't reach any par fours in two. And I'm like, just go play from the whites. You know, it was like mm-hmm. fifty-seven or fifty-eight hundred yards, something like that. And he had more fun because, you know, he, he hit a few greens per round. He made a few pars and made a few bogeys instead of double bogeys. And it just totally reshaped his whole experience. Um, so, I, you know, one of my main messages is that the, the whether it's equipment or anything else is like the game is very challenging. You know, mm-hmm. I, I would not take any opportunity to make it more challenging for yourself if you don't have to. Yeah. But again, that depends on the golfer. If you like getting beat up from the back tees and you're OK with grinding it out all day, like, go for it. But if you're sitting there throwing clubs all day and, and cursing, then I would probably say that that's not a smart decision for your enjoyment level.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. And I've been that player before. I mean, so And
1: so have I. Like, I've been very yeah. honest about the horrible things I've done on the golf course in the past. Um I used to have a temper and I've, I've unfortunately broken a few clubs in my, <laughs> all my impractical golf days, um,
0: yeah. because my
1: expectations were not matching up with my preparation and skill level. I was expecting way too much of myself. And when a, a result happened, that was actually quite normal for the amount of work I was putting in at that time happened. I was like, Oh, I, I should be doing better. And I got angry at myself and, it, and looking back on it, it was, you know, ridiculous. Um, so that's always the thing you're wrestling at
0: in this game is, is that expectations expectations is, is a very, very tricky thing. And you have to, again, it just goes back to being honest and listeners. Once again, we're speaking with Mr. John Sherman of practical golf. Uh, John, I want to talk a little bit about the website. Uh, You got a lot of great stuff on here. Um, Once again, listeners, it's practical golf.com. You've got insider access. You've got the ability to, uh, check out a couple of the books that you've written. You've written two now. Is that right?
1: Yeah. So the the main one I've written is called 101 Mistakes All Golfers Make and How to Fix Them. I mean, it's almost four years old at this point. Um, Mm -hmm. I am working on a new book, which I hope will be out, um, this year, 2020. Um, I would say I'm 60% finished with it. So it's more of like a, you know, that first book was maybe like 150 pages. This is going to be like a 300 plus page book probably. So like a really nice. in-depth look at all the topics I explore on the site. And again, those are managing expectations, practice, strategy, um, the mental game. You know, I do a ton of product reviews as well, but that's, you know, I don't consider that part of my book because that's just a whole separate animal. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> um, definitely. But yeah, those are like the, again, I'm not I'm not telling you how to swing a golf club. I always tell people if you want swing advice, especially customized swing advice, get a lesson. Um, I think mm-hmm. investing in lessons really helps. Yeah. Uh, you know, The decision between a $500 driver and maybe five to eight lessons, I would tell you to get the lessons first. Um, it's just a better bang for your buck in terms of your performance, I believe. Um, get the driver when you get your swing dialed in. I would say that. Um, so yeah, I try and talk about all those topics on the site in different ways and thanks for your kind words about the site
0: by the way oh of course i mean it's it's i mean what i say it's a it's a really well put together website and a quick question one of the last questions i got for you john and thanks again for your, your time this morning so you mentioned you do reviews we talk a lot about the reviews we do here we have brands that come on the podcast all the time um, and I know that every website kind of does it a little bit differently. Now, just for our listeners, do do you review as much equipment as possible, or because I see you've got a, like a, a window or a section on the site here that says golf products we recommend.
1: Yeah, that that's more of actually that that'll be going away soon. I mean, most oh, okay. of the most <laughs> of the reviews I'm, I'm doing on the site, you know, I've kind of become the launch miner guy. Like I test every single launch miner that comes out. I do a lot of the gadgets like GPS's and range finders. I try and find like cool apparel brands in terms of equipment itself. Um, I do have a really talented club fitter who's starting to do some articles for me just because um he has a much better understanding of how the equipment could work for certain players based on how he's fitting his customers. Mm. Um, So in terms of equipment, it's tough to review something because you just don't know... How one club is going to react for various skill levels like i couldn't tell everyone that the callaway you know epic flash or the new one that's coming out is going to be best for everyone like it's a great driver i have the epic flash it's an awesome driver mm-hmm. um but you know the ping might be better for you based on its center of gravity um, or the adjustments they can put on or the shaft they can put together so um i think one of the things you can do in equipment reviews is kind of explore the types of players it could be appropriate for. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I would never tell a higher handicap to go after a player's type iron because it's just going to make the game harder for them. They need a little more help on off center strikes and vice versa. Like I wouldn't want to play a quote unquote game improvement iron because there's just going to be some trade-offs in the design that I'm not looking for. Right. Um, So I think, it's an imperfect solution to do an equipment review, but in the absence of nothing, it's better than that. Sure. Uh, so you can give people's point them in the right direction and say, like, hey, these types of irons might be suitable for your game. But again, you won't know
0: until you test them all out and see what the tangible differences are. I, I totally agree with you. I mean, the way the approach, as you know, the approach we've always taken is, you know, uh, I'm the main reviewer on the site. I I'm not going to be able to play every set of irons, for example, or driver that comes through. They're not just going to be good for me, but there are going to be a few that are. And the approach of saying this is why this is good for me and why it's not, people see value in that sometimes. And yeah, as long and, as you're honest and transparent. And and despite the technology being fantastic,
1: like certain clubs just don't work out. Like I actually put the original Callaway Epic into play. And I remember the first few rounds I played in it it was ducks falling out of the sky. I was hitting these low hooks and I was like – I was playing with my buddy Nick who's an instructor. I was like, what is going on here? And then I went on the launch monitor. I was spinning it like 1,200, which is like beyond danger territory. Right. Um, It was just the wrong head for me. And then I switched to a Titleist, I think the 917 D3, which was always – um, maligned as a too spinny of a driver. And that was always Titleist's problem in the, in the driver category before the TS release. But that was a perfect driver for me at the moment because it actually added spin. I needed spin. Hmm. Um, so, you know, I kind of fell victim to the hype of the flash, so to speak. I put it in play and it was just, it was costing me 20, 30 yards, not because it was a bad club, but because
0: it wasn't the appropriate club for me right right and once again listeners it's this the importance of going and getting fit you guys know that we talk a lot about that and you know john uh we could probably talk for hours but yeah we can make this an eight-hour podcast if you want we'll do it again soon uh, and i promise you about that I, i won't wait three years um last question for you bring it full circle back to the pga show you're going down there what are some of the things that you've got an eye out for what do you want to see is whether it be trends in equipment specifics uh, what are you uh, going to go and, and what appointments are you going to go look for
1: um you know i'll meet up with a lot of you know friends i have there and stuff like that you know in terms of new product releases um you know the equipment stuff i'm not too too focused on you know a lot of the bigger media companies do a good job of covering that stuff um i just don't have the resources to go <laughs> into every single manufacturer's booth and be like oh what's going on here sure. um so i'm looking out for a lot of like I always keep my eye on the gadget category. I, mm-hmm. you know, people love gadgets, and I love evaluating them and figuring out what's junk and what's good. Um, one product in particular that I know people are very interested for is, like, the next version of the FlightScope Mevo. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got one that is apparently going to have some simulation capabilities, much bigger price tag. But um, that's one product in particular that caught my eye that I'm going to be testing out there and hopefully getting a uh, version of it to test Um on the on the range as well so Mm -hmm. um yeah i think you know i always pay attention to the apparel brands i'm always looking for the smaller independent apparel companies that are making good stuff um or even the shoe you know i i know you're a supporter of true links where like they're one of my favorite shoe brands i want to see what they're coming out with for next year um so i just kind of walk around the floor and see if something catches my eye. Sometimes it doesn't. You know, last year I went and I was not really blown away by anything in particular um, mm-hmm. in terms
0: of something new and different. Um, but that could change this year. We'll see. Yeah, John, I'm, I'm like you, too. I mean, I, I like looking at apparel. I'm a shoe guy. I like looking at the new shoes that are coming out. And I always want to keep my eyes open for who's not at the show, uh, much like last year so in terms of brands. So at any rate, John, I appreciate your time. Uh, once again, listeners, it's uh, com. It's practical-golf.com. Uh, you can listen to, uh, you can find John on social. You can find him there. Uh, we will do this again very soon, sir. And hopefully we can uh, run into each other in Orlando.
1: Yeah, that'd be great. Thanks for having me on. And um, you said a lot of nice things about my site. So I appreciate that as well.